0: say that you know what God wants to do through you? You don't have to put your hand up, just answer that question in your heart. How many of you can confidently say, yeah, I know why I'm here. I know why I'm on this earth. I know what I have been born for. I know what God has called me to do in this year and beyond. How many of you can confidently say that? Well, I want you to hear the word of the Lord for you this morning, each and every one of you, including me. The minute you gave your life to following Jesus, you became an instrument for his vision for your life to be outworked through you. The minute you gave your life to Christ, that's what happened. A transaction took place in the spiritual realm, in your heart, in the spirit between you and God. And from that moment in time, he had his finger on your life to do something more than what you have become today. And that will be true right up until the day that you pass and go to be with him. In that sense, the Bible's description of vision is not just any vision, but it's a God-inspired vision for your life something that comes from the Father himself. And there's a very good reason, church, why we need a God-inspired vision. Not a Paul Edlin-inspired vision, not a Tara-inspired vision, not a you-inspired vision, but a God-inspired vision. There is a very, very good reason for that, and Proverbs 29, 18 tells us what that is. Because where there is no vision, we will perish. That's not very encouraging, is it? Where there is no vision, the people will perish. That's, by, by the way, out of the, out of the King James Version of the Bible. Your Bible might say, um, uh, where there's no vision, the people, something else. But it simply means we don't know where we're going. In fact, I love... Um, Uh, I love what uh, um, the Message Bible, Eugene Peterson's, from the Message Bible. His translation of the same verse says this: If people can't see what God's doing, they stumble all over themselves. Brilliant. The sense here is, without a God, without God—not not not a God, but without God directing our steps—we're just meandering through life, church, hoping for the best, but never ever certain about the outcome. And who wants to live like that? Certainly not me. I want to know with some certainty. I absolutely do. I make no apologies for this. As a follower of Jesus, I want to know that my life, what I'm doing in my life actually counts. Is actually going to make a difference. You with me? But Proverbs 29, 18 goes on to say the second half of that verse but when they attend to what He reveals, capital H, talking about God, when they attend to what He revealed, reveals, they are most blessed. And who does not want God's blessing over their life? So clearly having a God-inspired vision, some clearly divined, defined direction to heaven is actually a God idea, and it's really, really important, would you agree? So this morning, as we begin 2023, I want to look at one example from Habakkuk, which I'm sure you've turned to, chapter 2, verses 1 through to 3, of God downloading vision for the good of his people. Now, notice it's for the good of his people. He gave it to Habakkuk, an individual person, but it wasn't just for him. It was for the whole nation. It was for God's people. And that's true of us, the church. So I'm not going to um, exegete this text in the classic sense, but instead I want to tease out from this example just three biblical principles of vision. And church, why having a vision for your life, and by the way, by implications for our church, which we do have, is both godly, it's beneficial, and I would suggest to you this morning is absolutely essential to have for your life. So you're with me, church? come on this journey. Let's read Habakkuk Habakkuk, chapter 2 verses 1 through 3. As I said, it's the New King James version that I'm reading from. I don't usually, um, uh, I'm an NIV person, but because it uses the word vision in the text, that's why I, I chose this particular version. So here we go. I will stand my watch, Habakkuk speaking, and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I'm corrected. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. Notice that, yet for an appointed time. But at the end, and listen to this, it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, in other words, though it might, you might have to wait for it for a period of time. Wait for it, he says, because it will surely come, it will not delay. How many of you here this morning have got a vision that God gave you something? Maybe, maybe last year, the year before, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, even more. God gave you something and it's yet to be fulfilled. Put your hand up, please. If that's you here this morning, will God speaking to you this morning? Be encouraged. Be encouraged. I'll never forget. Coming into pastoral ministry, something I never ever wanted to do, by the way, and that's that's true. My wife will tell you that. But some of the people that knew me were hoping that it never happened, but anyway, <laughs> here we go. You are not supposed to laugh, Tim. That's not true. Yeah, you remember, that's right. That's right. It's hey, so good to see you too this morning. Welcome. Um, that all those years ago, and and um, I'd, I'd been work do, getting on with life excuse me, I'd been in a career 20 years in a career doing a whole lot of other stuff and decided that and I'd become a Christian during that time and decided that uh, I wanted to do something completely uh, different and I, and I well, ended up going to Bible college but I never went to Bible college to be a pastor that's the truth I did not go there to train to be a pastor halfway through my time there, I did three years full time halfway during my time there God did a work. God did a number. And he might be speaking to some of you this morning. God did something. He changed my heart. And one, one night it was well, I never forget it. One night one of the lectures took lecturers took me aside. Um, we had a night night session, it was on mission actually of all things. Took me aside and he said, Paul, um, we need to have a chat. And we had this conversation. And he sowed a seed and the result is what you see today. See that's how God works. God works, sometimes he works under the radar, sometimes he'll be above the radar, sometimes he'll, he, and most times he'll work really quietly, sometimes in a loud voice, but often it's just that still quite nudging. Now that was 40 years ago. 40 years ago. Yeah, in 40 years ago. Where has time gone? So some of you may still be waiting. Here's my encouragement to you this morning. Stay the course. Don't give in, don't give up, stay the course. Because if God said, if it was God that said it, God will do it. He will do it. So, I want three principles from the verses for releasing God's inspired vision for your life. Three principles. Number one is this, first you must feel it. You must feel it. If you read the book of Habakkuk earlier in chapter 1, um, Habakkuk says this The burden which the prophet, prophet Habakkuk saw. Underline the word burden. Now the context, you know in this church here we talk, context is really important. When we're speaking out of Scripture, we've got to put it into its right context, otherwise it's pretext. So the context, just very quickly, now remember, I'm not going to exegete the text in the classic sense. I'm actually focusing on the word vision, and I want to explain what that means for us as Christians. But the context of Habakkuk's situation, why he was so burdened, um, was... Um, Because of the sad state of the nation of Israel at that time. Because wherever he went in the nation, it was in crisis, there was moral darkness everywhere, injustices everywhere, and evil was everywhere. That was the context that he was looking into. That's why he was burdened. And what he saw, rather than causing him to despair, rather than causing him to throw his hands in the air and say, God, this is too big for me. Let me tell you something about vision. Whatever God gives you, if it's vision, will always be bigger than you. Hey, Nari, it always is. It's always bigger than you. And there's a very good reason for that. Because if you could do it all by yourself, you wouldn't need God. That's why he makes it bigger than you. So we will rely on him. We will trust him, Chris. We will trust him for the outcome. So there's injustice everywhere. And Habakkuk saw it. He thought, oh my goodness me, what difference can I make? The nation was in such a mess. Hmm. Here's my point. Before God will give you a plan, he will burden you with the problem. He will lay it on your heart. He will lay it on your spirit. He will burden you with a problem that he wants you to work with him to solve. And for that to happen, church, you've got to feel it in the depths of your soul. This is not a head thing. This is a spirit thing. This is something that burns in the depths of your soul and your spirit. It bubbles there the whole time. You feel it. You probably go to bed at night and you think about it. You may even dream about it. You wake up in the morning and boom, there it is. You're having breakfast and all of a sudden, there it is again. It's burning in your soul. See, I'm not talking here about a casual thought, an idea that just pops into your head. I'm talking about something that simply will not go away. It's always there and it stirs your emotions. So I've got a question for you. How many of you here this morning have a desire that God has laid on your heart that burns in the depths of your soul? Don't put your hand up. How many of you this morning? Because I'll guarantee there'll be some of you. I will guarantee it. You know, that great man, the Apostle Paul, had a burning desire to reach the world for Christ. And he eventually succeeded, actually. But before he had been attacked, shipwrecked, even left for dead... Instead of giving in to defeat, they stuck him in prison. You know what the guy did? He turned his prison cell into a writing area. So he wrote half of the New Testament in prison. Instead of giving in and saying, wow, I can't do this, he said, I can do that, and that's what he did. And it raises the question, church, how was that possible for him? And here's the answer. Because he felt it in the depths of his soul. Every day it was there. So he put it into action. 2,000 plus years later, countless volumes of material have been written about the vision that God gave him on the Damascus Road to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. You can read that in Acts chapter 9. That's the power, church, of God-inspired vision. So number one. To know if the vision you carry is truly of God, you will know it because you feel it in the depths of your spirit. Second point out of this uh, passage. A vision comes with both obstacles and opportunities. Everyone smile. (laughs) How many of you know that nothing good worthwhile just happens? That's for sure. I can tell you that in marriage. A good marriage doesn't just happen, it takes effort, and it takes commitment, and that's why Christine just walked out. <laughs> now sure, it begins with, with attraction and love, of course it does. But it also takes a lot of work, sometimes hard work, a lot of commitment Willingness to forgive and an awful lot of grace, but on the other side of that, church, is the potential for happiness, pleasure, and enormous fulfillment. On the other side of that, here's my point there are obstacles for sure, but there's also incredible opportunities. Understand this, church. Understand. When you ask God for a vision, you're likely to be placed in a field of opportunities, concealed under a layer of problems. A place of huge possibilities hidden beneath a handful of problems. Here's the definition of a godly vision. Vision is not seeing things as they are, but as they will be, it's always looking ahead to what it could be. That's a God vision. Even though you will experience some problems, realizing a God-given vision, don't allow, don't allow the obstacles and the problems to blind you to the potential and the possibilities that are also in your hand. Don't allow them to make you give up. Throw your hands in the air and say, I can't do this. See, Habakkuk could see all the chaos around him. It was real. Yet in spite of the obstacles, he chose to stand at his watch and look to see what God had in mind. Hello, someone out there. Chapter 2, verse 1. Third point and final point about releasing vision. You'll love this one. Everyone say quitting is optional. <laughs> it's an option for sure. It's certainly there. And God won't hit you with a big stick if you choose to go down that path because we've got free will. We can choose. That's our choice. Habakkuk 2.3 says this, For the vision will surely come. When God gives you a vision, watch out, church, also for the obstacles because they will surely come as well. Let me tell you something about obstacles that we all experience. Obstacles cannot steal your dream without your permission. Someone write that down. Take that home with you. They cannot steal your dream without your permission. They can steal your dream for sure if you allow them to. Don't allow them to. Obstacles will surely come. When you walk in faith and refuse to quit, God guarantees that the obstacles which you will surely experience, they won't prevent his vision from being fulfilled in your life. They will not prevent it if you stay the course. The Apostle Paul, Paul's dream of evangelizing the world met with roadblock after roadblock, as I shared earlier. But in 2 Corinthians 4, 8, 9, it says this. We are pressed on every side. should come up. There we are. But not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but we are not destroyed. What about Joseph? His journey led him through betrayal, persecution, and loneliness for several years before eventually he became second in command of Egypt. And by the way, he was an Israelite in a heathen nation. He wasn't even an Egyptian. And he's the prime minister now. He stayed the course. You know, Joseph could have quit. And I'm sure that there were many times when he thought quitting is actually a preferable option. Yeah? Have you felt that before? I certainly have. But for us, as with Joseph... The enemy will try to desperately lead you down an alternative road, usually an easier road. He will do all he can to distract you with obstacles along the way. But know this, folks. There are always God opportunities in the the midst of the enemy's obstacles. There's always God opportunities. Look for them. Later in Genesis 50, 20, Joseph said this. He said, You, and he's talking about the opposition that was against him. He said, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. God gave him a vision. Do you remember when he was in jail? When he was incarcerated? God gave him a vision. And we think that was a, he was about, we think, about 17 or 18 years of age. When that happened, roundabout, we're not sure because it doesn't tell us, but they kind of try to work it all out. You know, their scholars do. Twelve years later before he became Prime Minister of Egypt. Twelve years. He was 30 years old when he got into that position. Obstacles are inevitable, church. Quitting is optional. And the obstacles that we face when realizing a vision can't stop God, so don't let them stop you. Chris, can you... uh, Come up, please, and get the team ready for communion. I firmly believe, church, the two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. How many of you here this morning have really no idea why you're here? I'm not talking about here in this church. I'm talking about here on this earth. And please don't put your hand up. I remember those days. Myself, I was 28 years of age before I gave my life to Christ. So that means 28 years of meandering, wandering around in spiritual darkness. 28 years. But the day I gave my life to Christ, everything changed. I found out why I was here Tim for your information I found out I did I found out why and I've pursued it ever since and it's had its ups and downs but I have no regrets well actually I do have some regrets but God has always been faithful always been faithful he's never let me down never let us down So I believe the two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day that you find out why. So if you're here this morning and you don't have a vision for 2023 and beyond, ask God for one. Ask Him. Don't ask me, for goodness sakes. Ask Him. And if you're here this morning and you've already accomplished what God has called you to do, ask Him for another vision. Don't sit there and retire. (laughs) Please don't do that. Ask God for another one. And can I encourage you, church, discover it, believe it, and go after it.